You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. There's a lot of good things that have happened already, fellowship and praise. Um, and, and yet the most significant, I'm not saying it's more important than anything else, um, but the most potentially eternity-changing moment comes right now. Because as God's word is declared, like this literally, this moment right here could change the rest of your life uh, or the rest of your eternity. That's what's at stake this morning. And it's not because I'm the one doing it. It's because of what we're proclaiming this morning, the word of God. And if we'll open our hearts and minds this morning to it, um, it literally can change everything for us. And I hope that you, that you understand the magnitude of this moment here. Um, if, you, if you've got a Bible, uh, there are Bibles in the pews in front of you. Um, and if you want to take one of those and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And as you turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, if you need some help finding it, um, there are people around I'm sure that can help. Um, or if you look around and see somebody without a Bible, our folks, maybe... Uh, Let them look over at your Bible this morning, Ecclesiastes 4. Um, It's about halfway, a little bit more than halfway through the Bible, if you're looking for it. Once you find it, then let's, uh, we like to stand. I like people to stand when we read the scripture just out of respect for it. So go ahead and stand once you find it, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And uh, and we'll read a few verses here today that, that have to do with the subject that we're talking about, which is friendship. That's the first idea. Um, but it leads to even bigger things uh, here that we'll look at in just a little bit. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and we'll begin reading uh, verse 7. Uh, it says this, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 7, says, Then I returned, and I saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone, and there is not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother, yet is there no end of all his labor, Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. Imagine a man alone as we read this. Neither saith he, for whom do I labor and bereave my soul of good? This is also vanity. Yea, it is a sore travail. Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? If you live in South Dakota, you understand that verse. (laughs) And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, it's likely that, that the writer of, the, of Ecclesiastes is Solomon, the son of David. There's some debate about that. We're just going to assume it's Solomon this morning. And if you understand the context of Ecclesiastes, then you know that Solomon wrote this not at the beginning of his life, but toward the end of his life. He had already lived a lot of his life. And honestly, as you read his words, you realize Solomon had a lot of regrets. He had a lot of things that he looked back to in his life with, with not fond memories, he uses the word vanity. We read it a couple times in our text today. And vanity means emptiness. And so Solomon, as an older white-haired man, is the way I imagine it, he's giving us advice on how to live our lives without it being empty. 
And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get down to the end of my life and find out that everything I did was worthless. I don't want an empty life. I want a life that matters. I want a life that has meaning. And what Solomon says in this passage here today is that one way that we can add meaning to our lives is by surrounding ourselves with the right companions. It's friend day. We're talking about friendship. And you may not feel like you need a companion. You may feel like you're doing just fine alone. Um, But surrounding ourselves with the right people is essential to living the right kind of life. And uh, as we look at this text, I want you to consider a thought. And the thought today is this, and, and we'll have it up on the screen. Two is better than one. Two is greater than one. And we'll show this. We'll kind of go through a few of these, um, these equations a little bit. But it's something very simple that you can understand. Two is greater than one. That's what Solomon's trying to tell us. And we're going to look at that today. I'm going to pray and ask God to bless our time together in his word. Father, we need you. And we're asking that you bless the reading of your word. And that you would open our hearts to whatever it is that you have to speak to us about. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I appreciate the guy, the video the guys made about uh, there are some things that you can't do without a friend or some things you can't do alone. When you, when you think about those things, you start to realize how many things there really are in life that are difficult or maybe even impossible without help. And, and it's not just about people. I, I was thinking about it this week. I was thinking about having two hands. You know, if you think about it, some things are almost impossible one-handed. Last year, I I had surgery on my rotator cuff, and I found out just how hard it is to do certain things. Have you ever tried to tie a shoe with one hand? Okay, it's very difficult. You ever tied a tie? Some of you are like, I can't tie a tie with two hands. But have you ever tried to tie a tie? It's amazing how many of my ties had teeth marks on them after I tried to tie them. Um, Have you, maybe, it's basically impossible, I found, to button the, the, the sleeve of the shirt with your one good hand. Uh, there are little things that I took for granted. Even driving was difficult with, because of my left hand was the one good hand that I had and our gear shifters on this side of the steering column and I was just thankful we didn't have a manual transition, transmission because I don't know what I would have done. You know, when it comes to having hands, two is better than one. And it's true with people too. The guys were right uh, that you can't do a trust fall without somebody else. And I mean, there are some friends, some of us have some friends, we wouldn't do trust falls with that friend either. You don't, you can't trust them. You know, it's true though, and more than just trust falls, it's true in life. And that we're not meant to tackle life alone. And the problem is we live in a culture that's increasingly pushing us apart. We live in a culture that's increasingly creating isolation. See, culture's convinced us that a screen can replace a face. And and then COVID happened, and we were all told to keep our distance. And now fewer people are going to church, and there are fewer people even going down to the Elks Club and and, and the lodges that they used to be part of. Uh, Community has kind of taken a hit because we've been told to separate. And now we stay inside. You know, it used to be in the summertime that people would sit on their front porches and they would interact with neighbors. Now, if we're outside, we're in the backyard behind our privacy fences. And then along comes social media and we think that, you know, that can replace face-to-face 
relationships and connections. And yet studies are finding that it doesn't. I read a report from Harvard just last year that 61%, last year, 61% of people, 18, young people of 18 to 25, said they are experiencing serious loneliness. And yet if you count the number of friends on their social media accounts, they've got more friends than they've ever had. You know, Solomon deals with this idea that life is not better alone. There are some things you can't do alone, and life is one of them. Isolation is not superior. And here's the idea. He starts with this. Um, one is less than two. See, and I know what you're thinking. You're, you're really digging deep, Pastor. Well, you spent a lot of time thinking about this this week. Um, well, you know, I, I was never great with math, but I do know this. One is less than two. Solomon is not talking about quantity either. Solomon's talking about the quality of life. Look at verse 8. He says, um, there is one alone and there is not a second. He starts to talk about one and there's one but there's not two. And so I want you to imagine then there's a man uh, living all by himself. He's a modern man with all the modern conveniences and technology. He has no family. He has no close, no close friends. I mean, he's got a lot of friends, a big number of friends on Facebook. But about the only face-to-face -face, um, connections he ever has is when he runs errands. But even now, uh, Walmart has contactless delivery. And Hy-Vee will bring your groceries right to your door. So he hardly has to go out. And since he, a lot of places are now remotely working, he's working from home. And he's basically home alone. And the Bible says it this way, uh, there is one alone, there is not a second, yea, he hath neither child nor brother. There's nobody else around. Look at, it, look at what else it says in verse 8. Uh, yet is there no end of all his labor. Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. So the idea is there's a guy, and I'm just imagining he's in his basement, he works from home, he's got no family, he, he, he has Hy-Vee deliver his groceries, he does DoorDash all the time, so he's ha at home alone, he works a lot from home, and he actually makes good money. I mean, he, his nest egg is healthy, that's how you know this is a pretend scenario, okay? His retirement's doing well, and his bills are paid, but what it's saying is because he's all alone, the money doesn't produce anything except the drive to work more and get more, but it's not satisfying. Look again at verse 8. There is one alone, and there is not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother, yet is there no end to all his labor. Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. Neither saith he, for whom do I labor and bereave my soul of good? What he's saying is, I'm working hard. I'm busy. I'm wearing myself out. I'm tired. I'm getting my job done. I'm making money. I'm comfortable Yet there's nobody to share it with. I mean, I'm doing all these things, and yet I'm all alone. So all the money in the world and the best retirement I can think of and all the success that I have, I mean, yes, it makes me comfortable, but I've got nobody to share it with. You know how Solomon sums that up? He says at the end of the verse, this also is vanity, yea, it is a sore travail. You know what he's saying? It's empty and pointless. It's empty and pointless. And all the success in the world isn't enough if you have nobody to share it with. That's what he's saying. 
And if you don't believe me, look up the countless uh, testimonies of lottery winners who, er, who gained it all and the actors who had everything they wanted and the musicians who had all the fame and all the houses and all the cars and all the success. They got everything they ever wanted, but they were absolutely miserable. See, here's the truth. One is less than two. Because we were made for connection, we are wired for friendship, we are made in the image of God, and guess what, from eternity past, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there is fellowship in heaven among the Godhead, we're created like Him, and we are wired for relationships, and without relationships, the quality of your life will be diminished, because one is less than two. And then Solomon, though, he, he's not done with his math lesson, okay? This is the kind of math I can get, okay? One is less than two, but he gives us another equation here. Two is greater than one. That's the title of the message, and I, I know what you're thinking. I should teach math because this is revolutionary stuff. But again, Solomon's point is not about quantity. He's talking about quality, and he's saying two is greater than one, and he gives us four examples, um, these are simple, but I, I want to go through these so you can see in what ways two is greater than one. Two is greater than one, he says, um, when you're working. Look at verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. See, the idea here is partnership and that two can accomplish more than each one individually can. Have you ever tried, I mean, uh, dryers are not that heavy, but have you ever tried to carry a dryer by yourself? Um, I have, okay, that's the reason I'm talking, because I'm the only one dumb enough to try that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's awkward, and it's not all that heavy, but to get somebody else to help you makes all the difference. Mattresses aren't all that heavy. You ever tried to take a mattress up a set of stairs by yourself? I mean, it's not easy, and two are better than one. The, the sum of two is greater than what one can do and what the other can do by himself, and the idea is similar to draft horses. They say that one draft horse can pull up to 8,000 pounds, but two horses together can pull up to 24,000 pounds. So it triples the effect. And if those two horses are trained together, it goes even higher than that. And Solomon says the same thing is true when you labor with somebody else. See, here's the, here's the reality of it. Life is hard. Life is work. School is hard. It takes work. Marriage is hard. Raising children is hard. Battling health problems is work. Losing a loved one is hard work. Paying bills can be hard. Dealing with stress is hard. Work problems. Life is hard work. And you know you have a choice that you can make. You can either try to, to figure it all out and carry it all on your own. Or you can lean on other people to help when it's too hard. And I'm so thankful. I, we have five children. I'm so thankful for the help and the encouragement that we've gotten along the way to help raise our children. And you say, well, that's the responsibility of parents. Yes, it absolutely is. But I can't tell you how thankful I am for people even right here at Eastside. There are Sunday school teachers who love my kids like I love my kids. The adults who've invested in them and, and the people that stop by and talk to them and give them gifts on their birthdays and take them out to lunch and just spend time with them. 
I'm telling you, raising children is hard. But when you have other people around that have the same view of things and the same mindsets, when they, when they come alongside you, I'm telling you, uh, when your kids are little and you haven't got sleep in a while and you think it's never going to end, it's a blessing to have somebody come along and just be an encouragement to you. I'm telling you, you find that in a community of people like Eastside Baptist Church. And can you imagine not having any help when the work of life gets hard? Don't be a lone ranger. Uh, don't, don't be a ball hog because life is a team sport. And you've got plenty of people who would come alongside you and help you in any way you can. Two is greater than one when you're working. Two is also greater than one when, you're, when you fall. Look at verse 10. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. It reminds me of the old life call commercial. You know, I've fallen and I can't get up. You know, that's what the button was for. But how much better if there was a person right next to you to help pick you up right when you fall. See, that's life. We fall. We fail. And for some of us, I mean, our lives could be an entire fail army video, you know. My mom is like that. My mom is one of those people that you, you really just need a camera on at all times. She was at the Denver airport. She was doing a ladies retreat, speaking at a ladies retreat in Oregon. And she was flying back to Oklahoma. She stopped in Denver. And she was just enjoying, you know, a layover. She was walking from one gate to the next. And she was going down this, set, this escalator and just minding her own business. And there was a guy behind her, a, a very, very large guy, okay? And he lost his footing, and on the way down, he was right behind her, and he fell on top of my mom going down the escalator. Now, now he's, he was such a big guy, she's literally just laying underneath him, and they're riding down the escalator together. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, people were trying to help and trying to move him, but, you know, he's a big guy, and, and you're going downhill, and what do you do? And she said she saw the end of the escalator coming closer and closer and she just knew you know you hear the horror stories about what happens at the end of an escalator and she sees it coming and within just feet of it some good Samaritan said oh the emergency stop button and hit the button and they stopped right before the end of the escalator at that point then everyone helped lift the guy off of her and she got up and she had a few uh, minor injuries and carried on her way but but we've joked with her I mean because this is the kind of family we are we've joked with her it's like Man, if what we could do, what we would give to go back and watch that security camera footage. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, yeah. Well, that, what if my mom had said, as she's coming down to the end of it, she said, hey, don't push the button, I got this. I don't need help. I can take care of this. If my mom had decided she can handle life's messes on her own, she might still be on the escalator. But you know, that's how we can be sometimes. See, we are, that's our life. Very often we do fall. We do fail. We do make mistakes. And if you don't think that you do, just wait around. It's going to happen to you too. And, and you can either try to make it all work on your own and get up on your own. Or you can rely on people or God has placed around you to help you when you fall. 
See, God knows us, and he knows our frailty, and we are sinners, and we have broken his law. We cannot hide from him, and he knows that we will fail, but his plan is not to leave us alone on the escalator. His plan is for us to have friends that will pick us up when we're at the very bottom. When you fall and you can't get up alone, you'll be grateful for that person that comes along and with the right words at the right time and helps you stand up and brush off the dirt and start taking steps again. You know, the reason so many people are in despair is because when they fail and fall, and we all do, they've become so disconnected from everyone that can help them get up. And nobody even knows they've fallen. And nobody even knows they need some help. I mean, I love watching this process at Eastside that people come alongside each other. That's how it's meant to be, folks. Two is greater than one when you're working, and two is greater than one when you fall, and two is also greater than one when you're cold. Look at verse 11. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? See, Israel, uh, the context of this, this uh, book, uh, Solomon writing, Israel's not nearly as cold as South Dakota, but in the middle of winter, I'm assuming it can still be very uncomfortable. There's not central heat. There, you know, you can't go turn up the thermostat. And, and, and Solomon, very often, what he's saying is the only warmth that they would find at times was the person next to them. And this isn't a, a, this isn't a, a, str a strange thing. This is just natural when you live in an environment and it's in the middle of the winter and you don't have a heater and your family, you're with each other or you're traveling, the body warmth from that other person uh, it represents the encouragement that you get from a friend. And what I want you to understand is this, is that both of them are cold. I mean, the person that Solomon's talking to that is laying there cold is thinking, I need to be warmed up. The person next to them is cold too. And what I mean by that is sometimes we get the idea that, yes, I need some encouragement and I want somebody to come alongside me and, and help warm me up, as it were. Uh, but, but, you know, they don't understand where I'm coming from. And we think, you know, nobody can get where I'm coming from. But both in the scenario, both of the people are cold. And what Solomon is saying is don't assume the other person can't relate to you. Because we've all been there. We've all been discouraged. And you may even come in to Eastside Baptist Church today and, and you may look at the church clothes and you may think these people have it all together. I'm telling you, don't let the church clothes fool you. Because there are people in this room that have dealt with the same kind of things that you have. And, and, we, and it may, we may look the part and may look like we've got it all together. But I'm telling you, there are people that have been through the message of life just like you're going through. And you may think, well, they've gone through it, but they can't relate to it now. It's been a long time. No, some are still going through the messes of life. Don't assume that, that the other person can't relate to you or can't understand where you're coming from. We're all frail. We're all sinners. We all have made mistakes. And, and you may be thinking, no, I lost my job and I can't pay my bills. There are people in this room that have been there. And you today may be thinking, yeah, but my marriage fell apart and, and, and now I, you know, we're in a custody battle. There are people in this room that have been there. 
Friends, don't let, don't let it fool you. Don't let the appearance fool you. It, this room is full of people just like you. And we've been there. And, and maybe your experience is unique. And I'm sure it is. But you might be surprised at how much of a mess people in this room have been in. And God has brought us through it. And very often it's because of friends. It's because people came alongside us and encouraged us and helped us. Two is better than one when you're working. It's better than one when you fall. And it's better than one when you're cold. But two is also greater than one when you're in a fight. He says in verse 12, And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, there's danger in the world. Sometimes we need protection. And it makes a big difference if there's just two of you standing together. Remember when I was in fifth grade, I started riding the bus to school. We moved to a new school and, or to a new city. And uh, I started riding the bus and there was a kid on the bus. There were, uh, they, I was in fifth grade, he was in fifth grade, and there were three other fifth graders on the bus. And these three fifth graders always teamed up and picked on this one guy. And, you know, and, and it had gone on for a few years and, and I it was just kind of walking in and observing it. But every day, man, they never let this guy hear the end of it. They would just pick at him and make fun of him and call him names. I remember going home and telling my dad about it. My dad said, well, Jason, you're a Christian. You should stand up for him. Because those boys are cowards, my dad said. And so I, the next day at school, you know, I walk on the bus and I'm shaking. I mean, a good, a good pastor's kid, never really been in a fight before. So I walk on the bus, I'm like, you know, I mean, it was cold. It was Wyoming where I lived. So it was cold already. I just blamed it on that. I was scared. They sure enough, they started picking on the guy again. And I stood up and with all the energy and fortitude I could muster, I said, you guys are cowards. So then they started making fun of me. No, just kidding. No, I said, you guys are cowards. I mean, it takes three of you to, to go up against this one guy. And I went and stood by him. And I wasn't bigger than the other guys. I wasn't meaner. I definitely hadn't been on the streets like they had. But you know what? They took it seriously. And they, they looked at me and him together. And that looked a lot different than him alone. And those three guys, they went and sat back in their seat. And the rest of the school year on the bus, they didn't make fun of that kid anymore. And it wasn't because I was afraid. I, I think God allowed a host of angels to appear behind me. And I thought they were scared of me. No, but it makes a big difference if it's just two of you. I mean, one is, is, is easy pickings. But two, I'm telling you, two is greater than one. When you're in a fight, you need protection. And I'm not just talking about physically, I mean spiritually. Because understand, and this is very important, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We often think that our battle is physical, but our battle is spiritual. And think about it, most people do a lot of things to protect themselves physically. I mean, how many of you have insurance on your car? Okay, you can raise your hand. If you don't, go get insurance on your car. How many of you have insurance on your house? You rent a home, you have renter's insurance. I mean, we do those kinds of things because that's important. I mean, some of us, you know, we carry a weapon to protect ourselves or, or we put on our seatbelts when we get in a car. Uh, you know, some people went to great lengths when COVID came along. I mean, I, know, I still know of people that have just recently started coming out of their houses again. 
I mean, I saw people with multiple masks and helmets and suits and all those things. And my point is not to down, to down that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't protect yourself. What I'm saying is that people will go to great lengths to protect their bodies. But most people completely neglect the protection of their spiritual lives. Can you imagine if we were as serious about our spiritual lives as some people were about protecting themselves from a virus? Because the spiritual battle, that's the one that we're in. And if you're trying life alone, I'm telling you this, you are most likely to get picked off. You're like the, 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 the herd of antelope and you're the one off by himself enjoying the greenery. And a lion is lurking in the bushes just waiting to pounce. See, we are in a spiritual fight. There is a real enemy and he's looking for a soul that he can devour. And if you're all by yourself with no help and no prayer and no encouragement you will not stand spiritually that's one thing you cannot do by yourself you must put yourself in a position in which you have spiritual help because the attacks are relentless I mean not just from Satan but from culture culture wants to convince you that your our kids uh, you know that a godless life is better they're trying to tell our kids that just leave God out of life it'll be better how are you countering that? I mean, we're being told that marriage is expendable. How are you ensuring that you and your spouse are spiritually strong? How are you helping your spiritual life to be strong and vibrant and real because it's hard? Well, here's Solomon's solution. Two are greater than one. Don't try it alone. Don't work alone. Don't fall alone. Don't face the cold alone. Don't fight alone. Two is greater than one. And you are much more likely to survive the perils of life with friends. Friends you might find right here. A spiritual community looking out for each other. But before you think the math lesson is over, it gets even deeper here. See, Solomon gives us one more truth. And it's obvious here, but one is less than two, two is greater than one. But look at the next, last equation, three is greater than two. Look at Ecclesiastes 4.12, the last phrase, he says, I'll read the whole verse. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Here's the idea, one is not good, two is better. But three is best. See, a threefold cord is much stronger than two. We, we have four daughters, and we started one, two, three, four with our girls, and we had our son. Um, but, you know, they all had long hair when they were little, and, and it was very easy at times. To, my wife would braid their hair with, and I would try, and it just it looked like Pippi Longstocking. It never, didn't really work very well. But she would braid their hair. But how many, braid, how many strands of hair do you use to braid? You use three. I mean, I never knew that. I mean, I was like trying to wrap it. I don't know. I mean, three strands. And that's a lot stronger than just rolling or wrapping two. It's definitely a lot stronger than one. And that's the idea that Solomon is getting across. As good as two is, three is better. And Solomon's point in his book is that all is vanity under the sun. And that if it's under the sun, if you can see it, then, then it will be vanity. It will be empty. And if you want to live without regrets, you need to look higher. You need to look above the sun. You need to look at what's not typical down here. And what I believe is Solomon's application right here is including God in our lives. 
that's the best and easiest application is that he's saying you need friendship but but the greatest friend that you will ever have that strand that will strengthen everything else is Jesus Christ himself and listen to me friends are great but there's one capital F friend that changes everything and his name is Jesus and he's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother in first John uh, 15 or John 15 John said ye are my friends he said I call you friends and that's the creator of the universe who made everything that we see and he came offering friendship to sinners like us I mean, I would be flattered if somebody famous or somebody important stopped by my house and said, I want to do lunch with you. And, and I mean, I would feel pretty special about that. But understand the God of heaven is offering you friendship right now, today. And you have to understand why this matters because there's an issue all of us had. See, we have a problem. Sin is our problem. God is holy and he is sinless, but we are not and the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it doesn't matter how righteous you are. It doesn't matter how, how hard you try. Compared to a holy God, it doesn't amount to much. And no matter how hard we try and how perfect we try to be, we can't change our nature. We sin because we are sinners. That's our problem. Sin is our problem. And hell is our consequence. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Ezekiel says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And that death is not just talking about physical death. It's talking about separation from God forever. Listen, we deserve, every one of us, deserve to be separated from God because we stand guilty before him. He is holy and we are not. We are guilty and we have broken his law. And as much as you've tried in your strength to bridge the, the gap, all the religious activity that you think of is not going to help that problem. Church attendance isn't going to fix a sin problem. Baptismal waters won't wash it away. A moral life can't erase the consequences. And good intentions are not enough. We sin with sin as our problem. And hell is the consequence. We needed a friend. And who knew that that friend was Jesus Christ himself? Because sin is our problem and hell is our consequence. But Jesus Christ is the answer. John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father, unto the Father, but by me. In, in John in 10, 9, he said, I am the door. And I'm telling you this morning, God is your friend. And he's provided a way for you to enter into heaven and live there for eternity. And if you don't take care of that before you die, then once you die, it's too late for you. And I'm telling you, he's offering you friendship. He's offering you eternal life. And he says, come to me. I am the door. If you will simply repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, then he will offer you eternity in heaven with him forever. You were made to be friends with God. You were made to have a relationship with God. And Jesus Christ's death on the cross makes it possible. But God commendeth or proved his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You say, okay, what do I do? Well, you, you turn from your sin. Say, that's not the answer. And you believe in Jesus Christ. Place your faith in him alone. Trust in him alone. Listen, that's it. He paid for it. I mean, all you have to do is accept that friend request. 
You know, there are, there are not a lot of clubs that will just let you in and say, we'll pay your membership fees. That doesn't work at Sam's. It doesn't work at Costco. I mean, it doesn't work anywhere except for heaven. God says, I want you to be here forever. I want you to be part of this. I want you to spend eternity with me. I don't want you to have to suffer the alternative, which is separation from me forever in a place called hell. I know I want you to be here. And by the way, I paid your dues for you. That's what he says. Listen, but to be a friend of God, he paid it all. We owed it. Jesus paid it. And he asks for you to accept that payment for your sins. If you die without it, it's too late. Go back to that idea of a threefold cord. Strand one is you. I mean, and it's not very strong. I mean, I'm not trying to, to, to put you down today, but we know our frailty. Strand one's, one strand's not very strong. Strand two is, is a group of friends, though. A community of believers. People that care about your spiritual life. People that will come alongside you when life is difficult. Have you ever lost somebody and you had to endure it by yourself? I don't know how people do that. But I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a church family rally around somebody who's suffered great loss. And I don't know how people get by without that. Strand one is you. Strand two is a group of people who care about your spiritual life. And that's a lot stronger than one. But strand number three is the most important one of all. And his name is Jesus Christ. And if you'll add that into the braid. And you are creating a life with strength. A life that isn't going to break the first time things get heavy and hard. Because it's not just you. It's a group of friends. And it's third. I can't do that with my fingers. But it's a third strand. It's Jesus and, and inserting all those things into your life. I'm telling you, it'll create in your life strength that you never knew you had. One is not good. Two is better and three is best. And friends, there are some things you can't do alone. Life is one of them. But you know what else you can't do alone? Eternity. In other words, you can't get to heaven alone. And if you think you can try it, um, and work your way, I, I have bad news, it won't ever happen. You need Jesus Christ. And honestly, today is the day. There's no reason to wait. The Bible is clear that you're a sinner. The Bible is clear that Jesus died for your sin. And all you have to do, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I was reading this week about, you know, in the 1800s, there was this call, go west, young man. You know, there, go west and, and find the frontier and, you know, forge your path out west. And, and so people would, you know, I came from Oklahoma, the big land run, and, and it reminded me of that this week as I was reading about this. But people would go out west and they would claim a piece of property and they would figure out their boundaries. And the tendency at the beginning was to put your log cabin right in the middle of my property. Because I, I want to be as far away from everybody else as I can. And some of you, you're hermits, you could do that. But what they found before too long 
is that there were very real enemies out there. And there were wild animals, not to mention the weather and the elements. And so they, would, they, would, they wouldn't last long or they wouldn't make it. They'd go back east and they were worn out and tired and it just, just completely spent because they were trying to do it all by themselves. So the tendency, um, from what I understand, this, this, this book I was reading, the tendency then became, came from or went from putting your log cabin right in the middle of your property to starting to put your cabin toward the corners of your property and your neighbors would do the same thing. I mean, not right next to each other, but close enough that if an enemy came along, your neighbors could hear you and come help. Or if an animal was there, or if the elements got too hard, or if you needed some help and you were sick, the neighbors were close enough. And see, here's the thing. In our culture, we're being convinced that we need to put our log cabin right in the middle of our property and stay away from as many people as possible. That's the culture we're becoming. But it won't be too long before we'll discover you can't survive long like that. And for some of us, it's time to move our cabin to the corners of our property where our neighbors are because there are things in life you shouldn't do alone. If you want to try to get through life in the middle of your property, you probably won't last long. Maybe it's time that you move closer to the corner of the field where there are friends, where you can be closer to the one friend you really need. See, one thing you can't do alone is make it through the difficulties of life, and the other thing you can't do alone is make it to heaven. You need friends, and you need that friend. Why? Because one is not good, and two, two is better, but three is best. You want a strong life? Surround yourself with people that care about your spiritual life, and, and then accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And then, when life gets difficult, you have help. And when an eternity comes, you'll have nothing to worry about. There are some things in life you can't do alone. Three is best. It's better than two, which is better than one. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Appreciate your attention today. I'm just going to ask a couple of questions. And then we'll, we'll have a verse of invitation. This invitation basically just means that if, if you... If you would like to respond to the message, you can. So I'm going to just ask this then. How many of you in here today, you say, I know 100% for sure that if I died this morning, that I would be on my way to heaven. Just to raise a hand. Would you raise your hand? You say, I know this for sure. Okay, looking around the room, and I'm thankful for all the hands. Thank you very much. Uh, not everybody raised their hand. I'm not embarrassing you or pointing you out. Everyone else has their head bowed, their eye closed. And, and I'm just, I'm looking around just so that I can pray for you. Is there anybody here this morning you say, I don't know that if I died today, I don't know that if I died that I'd be on my way to heaven. Would you just, with a quick raise of your hand, would you say, I'm not sure. Okay, I see a hand up here. Thank you, you can put that down. Anybody else, you say, I'm not sure. Just with a, raise your hand real quick and I'll, I'll pray for you. Okay, I see that hand. Thank you, sir. Anybody else this morning you say, I don't know that if I died today, I'd be on my way to heaven. I don't know that if I have, a, I have a relationship. I see that hand. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else this morning? We have some hands that have been raised. And I'm not trying to embarrass you or point you out. But I am going to pray for you even right now. That God would, would, would give you the courage to take a step. And, and we will have people here at the altar 
or, or people that you could visit with. We have ladies to talk to the ladies, men to talk to the men. Uh, people that can show you from God's word how you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. There's no more important question for you to answer than that one today. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll ask one more question here and just say maybe you have been isolated and you, you've, you've got physical protection, you've got you know, isolation, you've got connection through social media, but, but really honestly, uh, you've kind of built your log cabin in the middle of your property and you've been isolated and you haven't really surrounded yourself with people that can be a help to you, come alongside you and be a blessing. And that could be Eastside members too, but it could be anybody this morning. You say, I think that describes me and I need to really put myself in a position where I have help with things. And is there anybody in here today that say, I need, I need some more connection like that? Just with a raise of hand. Yeah, I see those hands. Um, you know, many hands or on this side. Thank you very much. You can put those hands down. Anybody else? You'd say, I haven't had very strong spiritual connection and help. And the difficulties of life have just about taken me down because of it. Anybody else? Yeah, I see that hand. Thank you. So many people then, God is working on you about these things and, and I want to encourage you, when the invitation starts, we're going to have, I'm going to have you stand in just a moment. And you have an opportunity to step forward and pray with somebody if you'd like to. Or if you'd like somebody to even just to come to you right there at your seat, we'd be happy to do that. Or if you want to visit with one of us after, just to take care of this, these things that you've, that you've raised your hands about. Would you, would you just commit right now, I'm not going to leave till I take care of this. You know, I want to take care of this today and just ask God to give you courage to do it. Let's stand together. Please stand together. And as we, I'm going to pray, and if God's working on your life, would you have the courage just to step out? And we'll have, again, people down here at the front uh, to pray with you and help you with whatever questions you have. But let's ask the Lord to bless our invitation. Father, we need you right now. There are those that have raised their hands and said they don't know that they're saved. Would you give them the courage to step out? There are others who, who say that they have kind of lost connection with people. They haven't surrounded themselves with people that care about their spiritual life. Would you give them the courage to step out? And there are those maybe who just want to come and pray for friends or pray for those that are here that need to make spiritual decisions. I, Lord, however you want to work in this today, we need friends. We need, we need the greatest friend there is. We need you. And even Eastside members today have... I know how it is to get so busy and forget that the most important relationship is the one with Jesus Christ. And yet we often neglect that one. God, help us not to be that way. Lord, work in our hearts about that. But God, I pray that you'd have your will and way. Lord, please work. Please give courage where courage is needed. And I pray that those who need to make a spiritual decision today would have the courage to do so. Father, work in our lives right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.